All right, so um, we're gonna pray here in a minute, but um, uh, you know, again, like I mentioned already, the uh, the camp video where we were still uploading and downloading and all that jazz, we'll be able to get that ready to go. It actually worked out really nice because Wednesday uh, we should have the fellowship hall uh, completely to ourselves. So we're gonna pack in the junior high and the senior high, and and we'll do that. And uh, and it really I think fit well with it being promotion Sunday that we can really talk about our ministry and coming out of camp and just talking about our philosophy of ministry. Um, I like to cover this every year. And it's such a great reminder uh, just because um, we don't just do things at random. Um, you know, one of the things, I was on the way home, I was talking to Code, and, and he was just talking about the things that really shaped his heart and mind around his youth ministry, and I had the chance to share mine, and, and uh, just really found that he and I are just very knit together at the heart. We're very like-minded on a lot of different things, and uh, I shared with him our philosophy and what we're trying to accomplish, and, uh, and he's like, man, I can just really tell that what you guys have uh, is, is something that the Lord really gave you, and, and, uh, and just keep, keep working and keep working that. And so we're going to talk about what we do and why we do it. And for those of you that have heard this every year, you know, just don't tune out completely. You need to hear this because every time we talk about this and every year you're in here, you can see where you fit a little bit differently as far as God is refining you uh, and especially with some of your camp commitments. So let's go ahead and pray. We'll get someone to pray for us. We'll dive into this and then we'll head into the main service. So who would like to pray for us this morning? Okay, go ahead. Thanks. Father, just um, thank you for bringing us all here today, God, and I just pray that um, you really work on our hearts this morning, God, and just remind us of why we're here, Lord, and what we're doing for you. Um, God, I just pray that we will continue to be honoring our camp commitments to you, God, and that um, this fellowship that we have right after camp, God, that you would just keep it continuing, and that we'd really just be able to bring you um, much glory, 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 God, and that um, you would just teach us to um, love other people the way that you love them, and that we would really just be able to be um, a great force for you, God, and you know, I pray Amen. All right, take your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. <clears throat> All right, Matthew 5. Okay, so Jesus, um, we, hit, we hit this last week. Uh, actually, the week before, getting ready for camp, uh, Matthew 4, Jesus is led into the wilderness and he's tempted of the devil. And we work through the three times that we have documented where the devil tempted him and how Jesus came back uh, with the word of God. And then he came back and he began his public ministry. And then you find in, in Matthew chapter 5, you have um, this, the, a series of messages that he begins to preach. And uh, really tucked in here is our, our verse for our youth ministry. So if you take a look at Matthew 5 and someone read for me verses 14 through 16. 14 through 16. Sam. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Okay. So we're going to talk about this at the end, but you know, when it comes to the, to the ministry that we have and the ministries we have in our church, um, everything we do within the children's ministry leading up into then the junior high ministry, then leading into the senior high ministry, then leading into the singles and the adults and all that, all of it flows together. 
Um, and it's something that we've been working on over the years and we've tried to refine it and get better and better, but we try to keep building and building and building and building because we have a strategy. Because by the time that you get out of high school and you are starting to become an adult and start working out the adulting stuff that you're gonna be going through, um, you've gotta be learning how to walk with God and starting to be fruitful. Well, the huge turning point for that is here and in this ministry. Uh, junior high is critical, it's like stage one. And then senior high is now stage two. Because in junior high, you know, you guys are coming out of the children's ministry and you know different stories about the Bible. There's different things that you've learned along the way. But in the junior high, things begin to change a little bit because now you're starting to grow up. You're starting to learn how to become a young adult. You're no longer a child, but yet you're childish in some ways. And then as you move into the senior high, you're less of a child in some ways. Some of you more so, but anyway, we'll talk about that later. And then, but you learn how to become an adult and start to be responsible. But in the senior high, really is your time to, to, to seriously be as fruitful as possible and to learn how to be as fruitful as possible before you become an adult and you're on your own and you're able to do that with each other. And so when I look at this, uh, he's talking to people that are his disciples, and there's a lot of followers here, but he's also talking to his disciples. And he's talking to them, and he tells them specifically in verse 13 that you're the salt of the earth. And then he says in verse 14, you're the light of the world. And I love these two illustrations. And we focus more on the 14, 15, and 16 because of uh, just the nature of it. But when you walk with God in this world, you are the light of this world. Jesus Christ is not here right now. When he died and he ascended up into heaven and he spent, sent the Spirit of God to live and reside inside of you, that is his Spirit. One of the terms for the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. And so that Spirit of Christ now lives inside of you. And when Jesus was here on the earth, did he shine light? Yeah. Every day? Yeah. All throughout the day. And how did he shine that light? Go ahead, say it. Serving. Okay, serving. So through his works and? I mean, did, did he do anything else? He just serve people? Yes, his words. Through his words and his works. And so as he lived his moments out on the earth, through his words and his works, they were consistent one with another, which means he wasn't a hypocrite and he had a great testimony. As he was doing that, he was the light of the world. Now, what gave him the ability to be the light? What was the fuel or the force behind his words and his works? Yeah. All right, we'll take a pause for a second. So when I ask a question, generally that means there should be an answer. All right, so don't be afraid. I mean, as far as if you give a wrong answer, I'll let you know. But don't be afraid. Put it out there. Start thinking through it. The, these are very, very simple things. Okay, just, just need to think a little bit. I'm, I'm a big fan of trying to get you guys to think. So when I ask you a question, think through it and start working through it. But your participation is going to be helpful for everybody. Okay, time in. All right. <laughs> okay, so the Spirit of God. Okay, we see that he was baptized and he had the Spirit of God. But what was it? What was it? Yeah, he had the Spirit of God. But you have the Spirit of God, don't you? If you're saved, you have the Spirit of God. And sometimes your words and works don't match up. So that's not exactly like, oh, I got the Spirit. Dude, everything that comes out of my mouth is gold. Like, no, that's not how it works out, right? So what's the difference? You didn't have a sinful nature? No, he had a sinful flesh, though. He's a corrupt flesh. You're right. He didn't have a corrupt nature. He's obedience to 
Yes, his relationship with God the Father. That's really what it came down to. Because remember, if you go through the Gospels, there's countless times where he said, I am doing the will of my Father. Whatever the Father tells me to do, that's what I do. Whatever uh, the Father tells me to go, that's where, I, that's where I'm going to go. So he was very close with the Father. And you notice times that he actually separated himself and went up to the mountain and spent alone time with God to hear from God. So you cannot speak God's words. You cannot do God's works in this world without having a very close, intimate relationship with God the Father. It's impossible. So that's why in the junior high, we capitalize so much on the gospel. Because you can't have a relationship at all unless you're saved. And you need to start practicing that. And now in the senior high, you have to learn how to be solid. And that's one of the reasons why we have that as our acronym. And these verses, ye are the light of the world. If you, knowing that you are the light of the world and you choose not to be the light, then what does that mean? Yeah, you cannot be the light of the world. And? Yes, it'll be darker. And so then you have this whole concept, like it says in verse 15, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. See, that's the purpose. So you have to understand that you were saved, and God put his spirit inside of you, not just to comfort you, not just to give you guidance, not just to give you a ticket into heaven. He gave you his light, his spirit, so that way other people can be able to see that in and through you. And so if you refuse to do that, how can you look your Savior in the face? I wouldn't be able to. There are moments where I can't. And so stuff like this really helps me. Why did God save me? Did He save me just for me to go to heaven? Yeah, that's one aspect of it, sure. But that's not why He saved me. I'm called to be an ambassador, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm called to, to be a living testimony. I'm called to, to go and share the gospel to the ends of the earth as much as possible through my life. And the unique thing that is really cool is that each person is different. So it's the same light, it's the same God, it's the same spirit, it's the same word. But because of who you are, it comes out just a little bit different. The message is the same, but it's just a little bit different. And I think about different kinds of flashlights, different kinds of you know, lamps, different kinds of lights, different colors. I mean, there's all sorts of different things that you take a look at, and that's like us. And so it's so important that you really understand this, because you're called the light of the world. And we are like a city that is set upon a hill. You can't hide that. And you can try to put a uh, a bushel or a basket over that candle, but that's not the purpose. The purpose is to give light to all that are in the house. And so then verse 16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father. Not you, glorify your Father which is in heaven. So the light that God has given you is to be used to shine And it's supposed to be used to dispel darkness and to really give comfort to people in time of need, especially in their sinful state and they need to get saved. So this is important. So when you take a look at point number one, shining our light in darkness, that is the acronym for our youth ministry. Solid, shining our light in darkness. And our mission is to glorify God by daily walking with the Lord to see the lost saved and the saved grow. That is the purpose. Your purpose as a born-again believer is to see the lost saved and people that are saved to grow in their walk with God. The purpose for you is that if you are saved and you're in this room today, you are to grow in your walk with God. There are people that need to hear from you. There are people that need to be influenced from your personality that no one else can influence. And you need to grab a hold of that. This is not just some sort of a, a religious thing that we do where... 
you know, we do discipleship because it's the right thing to do. We evangelize because that's what God says we're supposed to do. No, there are people that are dying and that are going to hell and we need to stand in the gap. There are Christians that are weak and sickly and are spiritually dying and they can't do their job because you are not influencing them properly. So you need to grow. And in order to grow, you need to be obedient. And all the stuff we talk about at camp totally goes in line with our philosophy of ministry. <clears throat> okay. So if you are going to shine your light in darkness, how are we going to do this? This is done by two main ways. First of all, salvation. You, can't, you cannot be solid. You cannot walk with God. You can't glorify God without being saved. That is step number one. And that is not, nothing that should become old news to you. That should be something that is very standard. And that's something that is obviously the first place to go. And then secondly, it's learning how to give our heart to the Lord daily and to walk with Him. And this is not an easy thing to do, but it's something that's very, very important. Let's go over to Proverbs. Proverbs 23. <clears throat> Proverbs 23. <clears throat> I love the book of Proverbs. It contains so many things that we just need to be obedient and just do. Proverbs 23:26 My son if you're born again you are a son daughter of God my son give me thine heart and let thine eyes observe my ways I'm telling you as a parent this verse rings true in my heart more than ever before I love my children and it's hard for them to obey me it is. They don't really want to obey me. There are things inside of them that they just do not want to yield, and they want to fight, and they want to contend with me, and it never goes well. I mean, I say this to my kids all the time, like, okay, you're fighting with me. When was the last time that you fought with me that it went well? <laughs> you know what they say? Never. I'm like, yeah, and there's a reason for that. And I try to remind them of how much I love them and I care about them and how I don't just come against them because I'm just against them. No, I'm for them and I want to protect them and I want to lead them. And I want them to yield to the things that I'm telling them to do because I have their best interests at heart. Am I going to make mistakes? Sure, absolutely. But I love them. And so I'm going to want to do what's best. Coming from God's perspective, he looks at you as his child and he says, give me thine heart. Don't give your heart to other things. Don't give your heart to the world. Give me thine heart. And how do you do that? By letting your eyes observe his ways. That's what you do. The best way to give God your heart is for your eyes to behold, to believe, and to trust and obey God's words. I'm telling you, the more time you spend with a person, the more you give them your heart. I don't care who it is. It could be a friendship. It could be a dating relationship. It could even be your parents. You know, the more time you spend with your mom and dad, the more your heart goes for them because you understand them and you're sharing things with them. The more time that you spend with your friends, the more your heart goes with them. The more time you spend with God, the more you get to know God and the more He gets of your heart. If it's quality time, it's got to be quality time. But that's what God wants. Go over to Proverbs 4. And so why does He want you to give your heart to Him? Proverbs 4. 23. Someone read that one. Let's get a lady. 423. Go ahead. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Okay, what does that mean? What does that mean? What are some basic observations on that one? Like, uh, make sure you know where you're putting your heart into. Yeah. Because 
like it says like out of, out of it are the issues of life. Yeah, absolutely. The decisions that you make, go ahead. I was going to say, like, the Bible says that your heart is deceitful, so you really have to be careful. Mm-hmm. Like, basically, what he was saying, like, what you think you're doing, you're really not. Like, spend time with and Yeah. Really yeah. Remember what Jesus said in the Gospels? Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The decisions that you make come forth from your heart. You know, I think about it like um, your heart's like a container. And you're constantly filling that container with something. And so you can be taking the container of your heart and you can be getting it close to God's Word and you're filling it up with the living water that comes from God's Word. Or you can be taking that, your heart, and you can be filling it up with the river that comes from this world. And you can be filling it up. And whatever fills up that heart, that's what's going to come out. So you have to think through that because if you're filling up the container of your heart through the river of this world, then what's going to come out is the worldly things, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And so just an easy way to analyze this. How much time do you spend in the things of this world? Because I'm telling you, the, the more time that you spend giving your heart to, I mean, just things that are, that are not godly, I mean... This is just common sense. It's hard, to, it's hard to understand at times because of our emotions, but it's not really hard to believe. You just have to really understand it in the proper way. The more time that you spend listening to certain types of music, the more time you spend watching certain types of TV shows and movies, the more time you spend around certain people that are ungodly, the more you're going to be just like them. The less you're going to want to be in God's Word, the more you're going to talk like them. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, not, it's not complicated. The more time you spend with God, hearing God, talking to God, doing the things God wants you to do, the more like God you're going to be. I mean, coming out of camp, how much easier has it been to do godly things coming home from camp? Why? We're on a roll. Yeah, we're on a roll because, I mean, the majority of what we did was spiritual. I mean, we started our day and... And after breakfast, we got into our morning devotions. And then, you know, we had morning chapel where you were challenged and you heard things. And we went and we had fun. And you hung out with everybody. And then you had evening chapel. And we're singing these songs and we're doing all this stuff. And then we go back and we talk about things. And we're talking about... I mean, we probably spent... I mean, if you really put it all together... Let's see. I haven't thought about this yet. So, let's say, let's, let's say you spent... I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. We'll say you spent maybe 30, 30 minutes. We'll say an hour. So, an hour... With, with God, if you spent your morning devotions with God. So this is an hour there. Um, probably close to about an hour and a half, if not more. So we'll say two hours for each chapel session. So that's one, two, three, four, five. And then another hour talking, six. Um, and then with your camp commitments, I mean, you're talking about like maybe seven hours a day for four or five days that you actually spent doing spiritual things. Now get back into your routine back home. How many hours... A day are you spending doing spiritual things, singing, time with God's Word, talking to people about spiritual stuff, hearing God's Word being preached to you? That's why it's easy to walk with God coming out of camp. So what you need to do when you get back home is you need to get back into your routines in the proper way. Reshape them a little bit. Incorporate more godly things into your life. You've got to. If you really want to have the fruitfulness that comes out of what camp is like and you come back home, you need to change things up. You can't keep doing the same thing and expect different things to happen. It's just not going to happen. So you need to switch it up. 
You know, one of the reasons why it's easier for me to walk with God and to be convicted easier is because I spend more time with God. And I notice if there's days where I don't, then I, I let the deceitfulness of sin just settle in and I start making bad decisions. I start thinking wrong, wrongly about all sorts of stuff. So you need to start thinking that way. So God says, give me thine heart because he knows out of your heart are going to come the issues of life. What's in your heart is going to affect the decisions that you make and everything that you do. And you guys know this, but now you're starting to experience it a little bit more. And so I really hope that this is something that you're going to take more seriously. All right, so how do you do that? It's by praying, reading, studying, memorizing, meditating, and obeying the Bible, actively participating in the work of the Lord, evangelism and discipleship. Uh, the more that you are involved with your ministry, this ministry, the easier it's going to be to walk with God. The more that you spend time with God one-on-one -on -one through the scriptures, memorizing, discipleship, the easier it is for you to walk with God. So you need to be careful. Every time that we're here and we're doing activities, be here. Start inviting people. I mean, if you have the opportunity to get discipled, do it and be faithful and bother them and, and get on their case about not meeting with you. I mean, you need to do that kind of stuff. You've got to be able to do that and make sure you get into a routine of where you're really starting to spend some good quality time with God. All right, number three. This is done through the following methods. So these are the things that we create as a youth ministry for you to be able to be involved in this ministry God's given you. Sunday school, a weekday, a weekday prayer meeting and Bible study, uh, monthly activities and outreach events, gender-specific activities and, and Bible studies and special Bible studies, uh, summer camp and winter camp, one-on-one discipleship through student journey, monthly Bible studies in school or at home sometimes throughout the year, VBS. I'm so excited for you guys to be involved in VBS and mission trips with Mexico. I'm pumped that we're going to be able to do that. Uh, the youth music ministry and the things that we do for our camps. Um, cultivating real thriving relationships outside of the classroom. That's where a lot of that stuff happens. Um, and then lastly, creatively providing opportunities and venues through which students can reach their lost and saved friends and learn and practice valuable ministry and leadership skills. So those are things that you can count on us as leaders to, to give you and to help you in order to fill uh, fill this out in your life and to figure out some of these things. Okay, and then here's the other side, and I mentioned this a little bit already, um, but this has been something that has really governed my thought process ever since I got involved with the junior high youth ministry uh, about 14 years ago, which is freaky to even think about. Um, but here you have number four, a biblical example, Jesus and his disciples. So go over to Luke chapter uno, Luke one. So we'll jump forward a little bit. Go to Luke um, 6. All right. <clears throat> so again, in your Bible, you have four Gospels. Luke is the most... Um, accurate when it comes to the order of events. So if you're looking for a chronological gospel, Luke is the one you want to go to. And so you have the birth of Jesus, you have him growing up, uh, him, even him as a, as a young teenager uh, in the temple when he got separated from his parents and, and all that. And then now you have him coming in and beginning his, his ministry. And so at this point, from about Luke chapter uh, 4, um, you got four or five, and then now six. He has been preaching already. So Jesus has his public ministry. He was already baptized and everything. And so now he's preaching openly. He has not chosen his disciples yet. So when you look at that pattern, he begins his ministry, and then he goes out and he starts preaching. And as he starts preaching,
preaching, he starts gathering different followers. They're interested in what he has to say. So he starts to notice there are certain followers that start coming around more often. And then from these followers, from these listeners, he is going to choose his 12 disciples. And so before he does that, you have verse 12. It says, And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. All night. All night he prayed. He did not sleep at all. And he prayed all night because, in verse 13, And when it was day, he called unto him his disciples. So he prayed all night before he made it known publicly who his 12 disciples were going to be. And so he spent a lot of time with God on this issue, and then he chose these 12. And then you have Simon, verse 14, whom he also named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, and John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, the, the, called Zelotus, and Judas, the brother of James, and Judas Iscariot, which also was the traitor. And then now he starts to go out and minister with his 12 disciples. So when I look at this, I really see the junior high is a lot like Luke 1 through 6. It is that you are now growing up a little bit, Jesus is now speaking to you more individually. You start to learn more about the gospel and you make a decision. Is he my savior or not? And if he is your savior, you start coming around more and more and more and get more involved. And which is why the more involved you are in the junior high, the easier it is to grow in the senior high. So once you come to a place where I know I'm saved, I have no trust as God as my savior. Awesome. Mission accomplished. When I think of junior high, if that is the bare minimum, sweet. I love that. Because once you get that, now you're in here and now you learn how to walk with God. He's now chosen his 12 disciples. And now they're with him day in and day out. They're learning how to minister. They're learning how to preach unto people. They watch him preach and then he sends them out for them to go preach. And then they come back and they're ministering and they're just doing everything. They have great successes and they have great failures. I mean, I think through on when they went out two by two and they came back and they were so pumped. They're like, Jesus, man, they were listening to us. We even cast out devils out of people. I mean, it was amazing. And I could just see him with a huge smile on his face, just sitting with them and hearing all the stories about all the great successes from their ministry as they were preaching the word of God. And so now you have those things unfold, but then you also have great failures. What are some of the great failures that you think of when you think of the disciples? Yeah. Yeah, so these dudes wanted to call fire down from heaven and destroy the whole city just because Jesus wasn't welcome. I mean, it's insane. <laughs> like I think about that. Like, well, it happened in the Old Testament, and this is the Messiah. Well, that makes me mad. I can't believe they reject the Messiah. Jesus, can we call fire down from heaven and just wipe them all out? Jesus is like, guys, come on. Like, I came to save men's lives, not to destroy them. Oh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there's stuff like that. What else? There's some other ones. Yeah, Jamie. I love that Peter Jesus. <laughs> yeah, Peter pulls Jesus aside and says, uh, no, you're not going to the cross. You're not dying. What are you thinking? <laughs> okay, hold on a second. Just, all right. Um, God came in the flesh. This guy made me in my mother's womb, and I'm going to look him square in the eye and say, what you just said you're going to do, you're not going to go do. That's a bad idea. Even I wouldn't tell him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know my limitations. You would think it. You probably wouldn't say it. You would have known. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, what's another one? Yeah. When uh, Jesus was praying and he wanted the disciples to observe, like him praying, they kept yeah, okay, so he's just about to go to the cross, and he is, like, in the time of his greatest need. Like, the time where, I mean, if you think that, okay, when Jesus picks his disciples, this would be a moment that he picked his disciples for, to help him and to be with him and to walk with him. Pray with me. You got it, Jesus. <laughs> and he's like, hey, could you not just stay awake for just one hour? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they back to sleep again. Yeah, totally. All right, what's another one? You got one? Okay. Oh, uh, when they wanted to turn away the children from coming to see him. Yeah. Kids on Jesus? We don't, we don't got time for that. <laughs> I mean, come on, come on. No, he needs to be ministering to the adults. Yeah, and Jesus is like, you guys are morons. <laughs> yeah, what else? When, like, the two brothers and their mom came up, and they were like, can we sit next to you on the throne? Like, can we sit on the Yes. Like, <laughs> yeah, can we just be on your left and right side, you know, when you start your kingdom? He's like, oh, no, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 nice. Or, or they're like, who's the greatest? Well, I'm the greatest. Of course I'm the greatest. And Jesus is like, oh. I can just imagine all the times that Jesus was just, whether they were thinking it or speaking it, and he's just like, God help him, you know, because <laughs> he's walking, you know. I just picture all this stuff. So I look at these moments, and, the, and, I, and I look at the senior high, and I'm like, yep, you know, I really do. There are great successes. You'll be going into VBS, come out of VBS, be like, oh, it's so awesome. I led this little kid to the Lord. It was great. Or you invite a friend to come to camp and like, they got saved. This is awesome. Or you start a Bible study. Ah, you know, this, and there's all this stuff. But then you turn around and there's stupid decisions that are made where it's like, what were you thinking? Like, you know, it just unfolds like this all the time. But here's the reality. The time to learn this stuff is now. The time to make these kinds of mistakes and to learn from them is right now. Because once you get out of here and you actually become an adult, even legally, uh, the mistakes that you make at that point are way bigger. And the consequences are way bigger. And they can last a lot longer. Now, don't get me wrong. You can make some dumb mistakes now that can last into your adulthood, for sure. But there is an element of protection right now that you have to minister and to make mistakes and to blow it, and it's still safe. Like, I can't make those kinds of mistakes now. I can't. My mistakes resonate out and affect a whole lot of people, and it actually really scares me. Code and I were even talking about that. And he's like, man, and this is what he told me. I, it was my last phone conversation with him. He's like, hey, you know, I was just really reminded this week of how guys like you and I, we have to finish well. Because if we don't finish well, we could hurt a lot of people. And I'm like, whew. Like, yeah, you're totally right. I mean, these are things I think about all the time. I think about my, my kids. I think about my wife. I think about you. I think about our church. I think about all the sorts of stuff. And it scares me. It scares me. So now you're at a place in your life with your walk with God where you can really learn with a lot of freedom and with the ability to, to go and take a risk. And if you blow it, yeah, you might get rebuked a little bit, but at the same time, you can learn from it. And you're, you're in a place where it's, it's a lot safer because there came a point in time and this is the letter C, where Luke 22 through 24, where now the disciples have to make a personal choice of their faithfulness. So they learned how to minister 
and Jesus prepares them for his crucifixion. But even while he's preparing them for his crucifixion, they don't even understand what's really going to happen. Like, they don't get it. Like, he's saying things in, in John 13, 14, 15, 16, and they just don't understand. They don't get it. And so now he's being crucified, and at, before he's crucified and he's arrested, what happens to all of the disciples? All of them run. All. All of them. Mark 14, 50. All the disciples fled. All of them. Peter, yes. John, the beloved disciple that leaned on Jesus' chest and heard his heartbeat, who knew that he wasn't even going to betray him. Even John fled. Now, John was the first one to come back. But even he fled. There was an element of great failure because the time came where they were, it, they were shoved into, into a position where Jesus was no longer in the picture. Like their anchor was now gone and now they needed to decide, do I really believe God? Do I really trust God? And I want you guys to be able to make that decision before you leave here. Because if you can make that decision before you leave here, it will be much easier to have great successes as soon as you get out. But if you don't know, like if Jesus is not in the picture, and this ministry is not in the picture to help keep you grounded and settled in your heart and in your spiritual walk, then you're going to have some major problems. I have seen so many students that did me decently well in here. The moment they're out, boom, down. I've seen so many. The ones that have really made it, the ones that have done well and have been very fruitful are ones that were the most active. They were the most involved. They were the most obedient. They, they wanted to learn. They wanted to grow. They wanted to, I need to walk with God for me, not because of my youth leaders, not because of my parents, not because I need God. I need God and I need to, I need to learn how to walk with Him. Those are the ones that after, they may have struggled a little bit, but they made it and they flew and they're still flying. And yeah, you make mistakes getting into that realm of things, but this is the time to learn how to do that. Because the disciples were at a spot where Jesus was no longer in the picture. And then look what decision they made. They all fled. And then even after they all fled, only two came back, and only one went to the cross. And that was John. That's it. All the other disciples, we have no idea where they were. We know that Peter was on the outside of the, of the gate, and he was warming himself by the fire, and he denied Christ three times. And even that picture is heartbreaking because the third time he denied Christ, he was in a moment where he looked over and he saw Jesus eye to eye the moment he denied him the third time. Can you imagine how, how wrecked his heart would have been? And then after he dies, they're like, that's it. I mean, it's all over. And they have no idea. And then three days later, he rises from the dead. But even Thomas didn't even believe. So now then they're all on the, same, on the same page and they've all seen Jesus and they're like so excited. You get to Acts chapter 1 and they're like, okay, is now the time? Are you going to restore the kingdom now? Like, is it now? And Jesus is like, ah, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father's put in his own power. And then he goes, <laughs> and they're just standing there. They're like, what just happened? <laughs> like, he was with us for three and a half years and we saw him and we ministered and then he died and we were oh, crushed. And then we saw him. We're, we're stoked and we're excited. And now he's gone again. And what did he tell us to do? Go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the father. What? Like, what are we, what are we doing? He's gone. He's the one that we were following. What are we supposed to do? Well, what did he tell us to do? Well, go back to Jerusalem and wait. Okay. And they went and they did that. Very simple. But that's what he told us to do. And then the Spirit of Christ came and resided inside them, and immediately they went out and they started ministering. 
And what they didn't realize is in the midst of their obedience, their failures, their ministering, their following, their observing, their, all the stuff, all the interacting with their life with God and all that, they had no idea that God had prepared them for that moment until they were in that moment. And this is why it's so important for you guys to get this. The reason why you need to be involved is not just to be a good Christian, is that the more you're involved, the more that God is training you and leading you and guiding you and making you into the man and the woman that He wants you to be. And it's not just through one mission trip. It's not just through a few camps. It's not just through a discipleship relationship. It's not just through maybe a Bible study you have at school. It's not any of that. It's all of it together as we're doing this whole thing together that begins to train different aspects of your heart in ways you have no idea until the day comes and all of a sudden it's going to click and you're going to learn how to minister and walk with God. But if you're not involved, if you're not discipled, if you don't come to activities, if you don't come to class, if you don't go on mission trips, if you're not involved in VBS, you're missing key parts that God has been wanting to shape and to mold your heart and to become the minister that He wants you to be. That's why we do this. It goes so much more beyond church attendance, so much more beyond just this Christian thing we do. And the reality is, going back to the very beginning, that souls are dying and they're going to hell. And Christians are dying spiritually and have no idea that they are. They think they're fine when they're not. And they have people that they need to reach. That's what we're talking about here. That's what Jesus did. He came into a very religious economy and he turned the whole thing upside down because they were not walking with God. They were pretending to walk with God and not walking with God. So this is why we have this ministry. And this is the heartbeat behind our ministry. And at the very bottom, this is how all this works together. Grounded, you got a little seedling right there that's starting to sprout out of the ground. Solid, it's starting to grow and it's starting to gain some of that root system that needs to nourish itself and to become fruitful. <coughs> so that way when you're out of here and you become a young adult and you start getting married and having kids and all that stuff, that you're going to be able to do that successfully. Because then your kids, it's going to start all over. It's going to start all over. Like it freaks me out a little bit that my daughter is now in that room across the hall. It's weird. And I remember back when I was in high school and the things that God was working in me and where he took me after that and discipleship and everything that God has done in my life has brought me to this point now. And now it's like folding over again. And it's going to do it again because then as my kids grow up and they get married and they have kids and then they have grandkids and it's going to start over again. And that's the way this works because God needs to be glorified. And he must be honored. I don't care what the world's doing. I don't care how dark it gets. It can get as dark as it wants. It really can. It's going to get as bad as it wants to get. But we have the Savior. And we, have, and we are the light of the world. So as long as we're in this world, we need to be the light. And we need to learn how to. And hopefully that you guys will be faithful in order to do that. So that is the heartbeat of our ministry. That is what we do and why we do it. And that's kind of how you fit in. So I really hope that you see where this is at. And why we do these sorts of things. We're not a typical youth ministry, praise God. Um, we're not here to entertain. We're here to, to teach you guys how to minister in this world. And, uh, and that starts today. I mean, it does. If this has not been something that's been uh, something in your heart you've been actively pursuing, then you need to get on it. 
because you all have people around you that need to hear the voice of the Lord and they're going to hear it through you. They're going to hear it through you. All right, cool. Um, anything else? Any questions? Leaders, any additions you guys want to add for any of the new folks? The philosophy of ministry is very clear. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's end it with a word of prayer, and uh, you should have plenty of time to head in and get yourself a spot before the main service starts. Father, thank you so much for um, just being able to revisit these things and, um, and just even to touch my heart again on these issues. And um, I just remember back when I was in high school, there were many things that I thought I understood and I really didn't. And I can see myself and the disciples on their ignorance and their foolishness, and, uh, and I still see elements of that in me today. Um, I just want to thank you, God, for your graciousness and your mercy. And I pray that we would draw near unto you. I pray that all of us would be able to um, just be obedient, and especially the students to live out their, their camp commitments. And I pray that already that you're going to start, even today and even tomorrow, to start putting people in their life uh, that they'll have the opportunity to, to touch and to speak to on your behalf. Um, that you would really uh, make that very clear and very evident. And if there are things that are still unfolding that are sin issues coming out of camp that need to be dealt with, I pray that, uh, that no one will let that go. I especially want to pray for all the students that got newly saved at camp this year and that you would uh, just guard and protect them and that you would help us as a church to be able to meet their needs and to be able to help them to grow in this very critical moment of their life. Um, and, uh, and I pray for those that are getting connected for discipleship, that you would help us to make those connections uh, here soon in the midst of all the busyness of VBS in Mexico, that we would be able to make that happen so that we can capitalize on the time that we have. So thank you, Father. We love you. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.